Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host. I'm your host, Danielle, and welcome back to another episode of The Mom Files. I am with Maria Rieger. 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 Yep. <laughs> Just because I was watching your YouTube channel, so I was like oh, right. practicing saying it, and then on the oh, spot, so mucked it up. So, so I mean, you you are a, a, a YouTuber, dare I say, but a lawyer by day, astrologer by night. You have a few books that you have written about positive parenting using astrology. Thank you for coming on The Mom Files. Thank you, Danielle. It's awesome to be here. So how did you, how did you get started with astrology? What piqued your interest? And then how did you figure out that it could be something incorporated into parenting? Sure. Well, I've been interested in astrology um, pretty much my whole life. So, uh, you know, I'm a very logical person. I kind of approach the world from a place of logic, right? Like you said, I'm an an attorney during the day, a banking attorney. But uh, throughout my life, I've always been um, like very introverted and I like to observe people. And as I kind of studied astrology for fun, I observed a lot of similar patterns. Because at first, my first thought was, you know, the position of the planets, the moments of one's birth logically should not have any bearing on one's personality or characteristics or how they approach life. Because when we talk about uh, astrology, we're talking a lot about like the study of an individual's birth chart, which is the snapshot of the position of the planets at the moment of one's birth. So logically, I, I, I always thought, well, there's no reason that I see, no scientific reason, right, that, that the position of the planets should affect somebody's personality. But in observing people, I started to see a lot of the similar similar patterns come up with similar planetary placements would have a similar effect on people's like approach to life, on the way things people handled relationships. And eventually the patterns became so frequent that I, I determined that there was some merit to this. And even though we don't understand exactly why this is the case, exactly why the position of the planets may affect people, and their personalities and their outlooks on life and the way they handle certain situations and their emotional life, that just because we don't understand it fully doesn't mean it doesn't have any merit. So I you know, started reading people's birth charts, talking to people, even people I didn't know. And that's kind of how I got interested in this. And with my own situation, like, um, you know, I had a lot of kind of childhood trauma and I used the study of my own birth chart as a tool for self-understanding. And that's kind of how I see it. It's one more tool in uh, your journey for self-understanding, for self-knowledge, along with psychotherapy, self-help books, hypnosis, any other tool that that people find useful in reparenting themselves and healing from past trauma. Astrology is another tool you can use to that effect. So that's kind of how I used it for myself. And then, um, you know, I I saw the merit in using it to understand our children, and um, it definitely has some merit for parents because it gives you kind of a blueprint of how the child approaches life, how they handle uh, relationships, like what they need to recharge their, their battery, so their energy, things like that. So I use it in kind of a relational terms. So parent relating to child, you know, people relating to, to adults relating to other adults, whether romantic relationships or friendships. So it was very useful because obviously one, one thing I see a lot is 
a lot of parents kind of project their own goals and wants and needs onto the children and they assume the children want what they would want and that's not the case children are their separate own separate beings separate entities so the birth chart will kind of give you uh an idea um of kind of what the child needs to fulfill their soul needs and also kind of what's important to them and what type of goals they may want to pursue you have to be careful because you don't want to discount free will you don't want to use this in too yeah. predictive of a way but that's kind of how I got started with it. And it does have a lot of merit and a counseling parents. I would talk to a parent that I had never met and they would tell me about their, their um, child zodiac sign, sun sign, but moon sign as well. And other, other elements of the birth chart and talking to them, I would say, well, you know, I would describe their, the child's birth chart and say, they probably act like this. And the parent would say, yes, that's exactly how they act. How, how did you know that? Because it's clear from the chart that that's kind of how they would approach that situation. That's so. interesting. So I know, I know about my zodiac sign. Right, right. Where does one learn about their sun and moon sign? Then? Right, right. So um, I have a great video on how to read kind of the basics of the birth chart on my YouTube channel, but I, I'm happy to go over it uh, now too. So there's much more than just a sun sign. So pretty much everyone knows their sun sign. As long as you know your date of birth, you know what your sun sign is. Now that is arguably the most important element in the chart because that is kind of the filter through which the person views life, right? How they approach life. An air sun sign will approach life from a place of logic and detachment. A water sun sign will approach life from a place of emotion and intuition. So that's very important to know obviously about somebody. And the rest of the signs, the, the what we call the personal planets. So the moon, Venus, Mercury, Mars, those are the planets closest to earth. Those have the most effect on a person's individual personality and characteristics. So to know the position of all the planets, you would need to know your birth date, birth location and birth time as specific as possible. Some of the planets are very fast moving. So you would need to pinpoint, uh, you know, a, a date and end time to know okay. the exact position when, yeah, at the time you were born, right? The moon is a very fast moving body. Yeah. So it changes sign every two to two and a half days. Right, so oh. for example. I have my birthplate somewhere in the house. Oh, nice. I'm definitely, because <laughs> I yeah. remember my dad being like, you need this information. Right. So there are plenty of websites where you can go. I like astro.com, A-S-T-R-O.com, and you can plug in your birth data and it will give you the chart. Okay. And you can get the chart either in a text format or a graphic format. Right. So the sign position of each planet will tell you how the person uh, expresses the energy of that planet. That's interesting. Now I know, so for myself growing up, I, I'm all, I've always been a very like artistic, creative person. Right. And I always had these sort of, I wanted to be a theater major. I wanted to do these big things. And my parents were always just in talking about like imposing your goals on somebody. Right. My parents were like, that's not realistic. That's not going to be a career that pays the, the bills. You're going to go and do something real. So I actually studied law. Oh, wow. And finished it because I'm not a quitter and was like, I will pick up a law book and I love reading about criminology. I want to like dive into that case and learn all I can. Family law was very intriguing to me, but not for a career. Mm -hmm. And when I look at my daughter, we share a Zodiac sign. We were born within a month of one another, obviously many years apart, but there's so much of that like creativity and spark to her. And 
sassiness in a way that I'm like, oh, you are so much me. But I don't inherently think that it's just like a mother daughter thing. Like, I think that there is something to this Zodiac. Right. Absolutely. And it's also very common for you to see similar energies in families. If I pull my, like my immediate families, all their charts, you'll see kind of a pattern of energies. That's very common. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not necessarily the same sun sign, but you may have, like, I, I see plenty of parents and kids who have, the parent will have a sun sign that is, that is the same sign as the child's moon sign or vice versa. That's pretty common to see, um, like similar energies in, uh, family charts. That's crazy. Now, do you find that there are certain energies that are, um, best paired together or maybe some that are more futile to each other? Yeah. So I, I mean, any combination, like any sign combination can have a good relationship if there's effort there, right? If if there's a willingness to put in the effort, some signs are, are, um, more easily able to understand each other. So we say, for example, the fire signs are generally compatible with air signs because they're compatible elements and fire is an element that cannot exist by itself. It needs air to survive. Okay. So generally, uh, uh, air and fire signs are compatible. Those are also masculine energy signs. They're more about doing and action oriented signs. They, and air especially approaches, uh, the world from a place of logic and detachment. Fire signs are more emotive, but they're still masculine energy signs. They're very driven to accomplish things and activity oriented. And then the uh, earth and water signs, we consider those to be naturally compatible because earth contains water, right? And those are also, earth and water signs are what we call feminine energy or more passive signs, especially water approaches the life, the approaches the world and approaches life from a place of intuition and emotion, right? That's kind of their okay. go-to reaction. And earth signs uh, can also be intuitive, but they're more practical. They're more uh, concerned about kind of material things, material possessions. Obviously, they being an earth signs, they are, tend to be more grounded. They tend to um, seek stability, including financial and economic stability. But now you can, um, you can have two sun signs in what we call incompatible elements. But if the moon signs are compatible, then that means there's kind of a natural affinity there. It's like my son and I, I have an air sun sign and my son is a Scorpio sun. So water sign, he's very emotional, right? Very prone to these big emotional outbursts. Less so now that he's older, but but I had to get comfortable with that. But he has his moon sign in the same sign as my son. So there's a lot of natural affinity there that it takes okay. less effort for me to understand that. Because the moon is a planet that rules our emotional life how we behave in relationships. It's especially important to know the child's moon sign, uh, sign and house position, because that will tell you kind of uh, how the child um, recharges their energy, but also how they behave in relationships, how they deal with emotions, whether they're very private emotionally, whether they're, uh, you know, very, um, they express emotions outwardly very easily. Some kids wear emotions on their sleeves and some like my son are more private about emotions. So that'll tell you a lot about how they deal with kind of the the relationships and also home and family life. And when we say, like I've mentioned the house position of a planet a couple of times, the house position of a planet will tell you the fields of experiences that are emphasized Mm -hmm. in the person's life. So you would look at where the planets are placed in the houses to know that, yeah. Interesting. Just completely unrelated, but related. Do you consider Pluto one of the planets? 
Yes. In your charts. We do. Okay. We do. Yeah, because that's, it's come up. There's so much drama that we Pluto. do. Yeah. And you know, we're still, so you can really get down in the weeds with somebody's birth chart. I mean, there are a lot of astrologers that look at like, there are hundreds and thousands of asteroids. You can look at asteroids. Some are bigger and more important than others. We're still um, discovering planetary bodies, right? In the 1970s, there was an asteroid discovered called Chiron, which now figures very prominently when we read birth charts. Uh, that's an asteroid. So, I mean, we're still discovering things, but yeah, to answer your question, Pluto is definitely, we, from an astrological viewpoint, we definitely consider Pluto a planet still. All right. So I'm just, uh, so then when we're talking about parenting, keeping the child in mind, right. how, how can we respect sort of the natural instincts that might be given to them at right. from these these birth signs but also being like no this there is sort of that set guidelines and their set right. boundaries and things as well but still respecting that who they are as a person we can't really we're not changing that right absolutely I mean, the first step is to recognize that your child is not going to be exactly like you there's obviously going to be some similarities they've got your dna part of your dna but they're not they're not you, they're not extensions of you, of the parent, they're their own people. And as they get older, around seven years old, they really start to explore that independence and autonomy even further. And we should be, you know, as parents, we should be encouraging that. Uh, and we should be encouraged, like the way I think of it is you, you know, you introduce your, your children to everything or almost everything as much as possible as the world has to offer. And you kind of take a step back and then let them decide what to pursue, what they'd like to pursue. Then my son has done classes where he decided, I don't like this. I don't like to do this. Well, that's fine. You don't have to, like, we're not going to force you to do something you don't like to do. So part of that experience is finding out what you like and finding out what you don't like. That kind of when you, as you get older into adulthood and you narrow that down further, um, you know, you know, then where to better focus and direct your energy. But at it, definitely when children are young, I, I fully support and encourage parents giving them as many experiences as possible and then kind of taking your cue from the kids and some kids take you know a longer time to warm up to doing things new things than other kids and we should not to your point we should not force kids to do that for example water signs especially scorpio are very cautious and scorpio is a naturally suspicious sign that does not trust easily and some parents i think think that because they're the parent, they automatically earn trust and you, you don't, you don't just get trust because you're the parent, especially not for a Scorpio child because they are so, they are so just naturally suspicious that it's just the nature of the sign yes. to always require proof. And that trust comes slowly at, over time. You're not gonna, so some parents I think get offended when, when the child says something that, that suggests they don't fully trust the parent, but that's, if that's the nature of the child to just need proof or be suspicious or need to double check, we should always be respecting, as you said, how the child intrinsically is. Mm -hmm. Not, you never wanna make the child feel bad for being how they are, right? And if they're taking, like if they're cautious about doing a new activity, what I tell parents is the best way to get a kid to try something new is for them to watch the parents and or their peers do it. Yeah. When they see that, they think, they may think, oh, this looks like, they look like they're having fun, I think I'll try that. It's not to force the kid to do the activity. It's to guide the child and, and have them see other people doing the activity. Absolutely. It's funny because just while you're talking about some of those signs, 
without ever having really researched too much into it, my son, who is three, is a Taurus, which I believe okay. is the bull sign. Right. And just listening to you talk, I'm like, he is so stubborn. Yep. I'm pretty sure bulls are stubborn. <laughs> yes, they are. And he just like he sinks his feet in on a decision and oh, you're yeah. not changing his yeah. mind. Now, part of that is because this is probably a good time to bring this up. So Taurus is a fixed energy sign. So we talk about we talked about the elements, sorry earth, uh, water, air, and fire. So then we, we also talk about the modes or three modes, cardinal, fixed, and mutable. So Taurus is a fixed energy sign. So they're going to be very stubborn, a little bit more set in their ways than, than cardinal signs. And they're, they're going to like state, you know, state themselves on such and such issue, harder to change if their minds change. And my son, Scorpio is also a fixed sign. Okay. So, so I have plenty of examples. I, I, as you mentioned earlier, I've written a book on Scorpio children um, that is called your Scorpio child. And I have plenty of examples in the book of times that my son didn't believe me about something. And I, instead of getting upset with him, I said, well, go check it out for yourself. And he said, oh yeah, you're right. It's like this. <laughs> so Music I mean, to your ear. I can't, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, he walked out of this house one day with the shoes in the wrong feet. And I said, your shoes are on the wrong feet. And he looked at me and said, no, they're not. I said, just look at your feet. No, they're not. They're fine. Just look at your feet. Look at your feet. And he looked at his feet. Oh yeah, they're on the wrong feet. I'm like, yeah, on the wrong feet. Just look at your feet. I don't need to like, yeah, uh, I'm into believing this. <laughs> so I, I, it's just a natural, they're fixed. Taurus and Scorpio, they're also opposite signs. So the opposite signs have um, naturally compatible elements. Uh, so we look at the chart, you're looking at, you're looking at a wheel most of the time. If you're looking at a, the birth chart in a, in a um, graphic format, looking at a wheel with like a clock with 12 houses right so the signs um signs that are opposite each other have compatible elements so yeah taurus and scorp are uh taurus is earth right fixed earth yeah and scorp is uh, fixed water yep interesting now my daughter is a sagittarius okay mutable sign mutable energy and she much like myself like very emotional mm -hmm. um i don't want to say high strung but like a little high strung yeah. and very dramatic, very creative, artistic, yes. Yes. Um, but really very emotional. Sag, so Sag is a mutable sign. So the other mode we talked about is Cardinal. So okay. that Cardinal energy signs, Capricorn, uh, Cancer, um, those uh, Aries and um, uh, Cancer and uh, yeah, so um, I'm missing somebody. Oh, Libra is the other cardinal sign. <laughs> um, those cardinal energy, those signs are very much focused and intent on achievement, moving forward, progression. Like they deal a little bit better with transitions than the fixed signs, a little bit better with change. The fixed signs are more resistant to change. They're more interested in maintaining things as they were before. And the mutable signs are as the term suggests, they are kind of waffle between cardinal and fixed. So Sag is a mutable energy sign. So it can waffle between cardinal and fixed energy. Now, interestingly, if you have a mutable uh, sun sign and your moon is either fixed or cardinal, the moon's energy will tend to pull the mutable sun sign's energy toward whatever it is. So that's something to kind of think about. Okay. Um, yeah, because I have a mutable sun and a cardinal moon. So my sun energy comes across a little bit more cardinal sometimes because yeah. the moon will pull it that way. Um, so yeah, so Sag, Sag children, 
you don't have to worry and wonder about what they're thinking because you will know what they're feeling. Yes. <laughs> you will always know what they're feeling. So like with some other kids, Scorp comes to mind, Capricorn, maybe Taurus, it takes a little more effort to, to get to know what the kids are thinking and feeling. With Sag, you need to have very little effort because you'll know. Um, oh, literally right. yeah. this afternoon, asking her to pick up a Barbie doll. The reaction was, I don't need you to dictate my life with your words. Wow, that is, that's, first of all, that is wonderfully articulated. I love it. <laughs> It took, um, I couldn't so make good. eye contact for a hot minute because I was like, what wow. just happened? That's amazing for a six-year-old. But like, also wow. we need to pick up the fairy Barbie, please. Right, please. Um, so, so um, Sag is a freedom loving sign. Sagittarian people need freedom. So that is, her statement is very much in keeping with that. So this the symbol we use for Sagittarius is the centaur. It's half man, yes. half, right? Horse, right? So it's sometimes Sag people, especially the, the men, because Sagittarius is a masculine energy sign. So, so it expresses a little differently with men and women, tends to express a little differently. But sometimes with the men, they need to like roam wild and free they need to like have their own hobbies and stuff and they tend to be kind of outdoorsy uh the and the sad women too but they need it's a sign that needs a lot of freedom so it, it likes to have freedom meaning freedom in its schedule and the freedom to kind of pursue their own interests and to go out with their own friends and when they have freedom in the relationship whether it's a parent-child relationship or romantic relationship or a friendship they feel very comfortable because they, that person is giving them the freedom to pursue the things they want to pursue, to have freedom and flexibility in their schedule, to do chores on their own time, for example. She would probably benefit if like, you know, when she's older, you give her like a short list of things to do. Hey, these need to be done by the end of the day, but you could choose whenever you want to do them, but I do need some help right, with this stuff. Yes. So I do that with my son and he loves, he loves to uh, be in charge of his own schedule. And he's much more willing to do what I need him to do if I give him the freedom to decide, you know, when he can do things. So, yeah. Which is also just in general, a great tool, I think universally for kids yeah. as you're getting into adulthood, right? being able to figure out and prioritize time and know you have a task, it needs to be finished. Right. And that life skills. That takes a long time, I think, because kids, they're even as teenagers, their brains are still developing and they don't have the same sense of time as adults. And that I've I've definitely seen that play out with my with my son and with other kids as they they just don't have the same idea of, of time and passage of time. And it's happened that he waited until the last minute, whether to do schoolwork or projects or whatever, while well, you're rushing at the last minute. But, but, you know, you learn from, as you said, you learn from the experiences, right? That's a natural consequence of yeah. waiting to the last minute to study or waiting to the last minute to do something. That's a natural consequence. And over time, eventually it takes a while, but they will learn to prioritize things and to do things ahead of time. Yeah. And my son still says, we've been here for three hours when it's been like 10 minutes. I mean, so. I mean, my <laughs> husband still says that and he's going to be 40 next month. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So when um, he's doing something, it's a, it's, and I'll be like, no, it's actually been an hour. Can like, we move on? He's like, yeah, it's been like 10 minutes. Yeah. No, oh, we, we, we have a similar dynamic going on. Yeah. <laughs> my fiance doesn't have a great sense of time and he, he'll like, look at his watch, be like, oh my God, like I needed to be here two hours ago. Like, are you just now looking at the time? Like how many clocks do we have in this house? <laughs> right. 
But yeah, so it's just, I think when they're so, in, and he's a Sagittarius, so I think when he's so engrossed in something interesting that the time just passes by very quickly. Yes. Realize how, how much time has passed. So. It's just funny because my daughter, actually, when we were at the park the other day, she said, I was like, you know, guys, we've been here for an hour and a half. It's time that, to go home. We have to have lunch. And she goes, man, when I'm having fun, the time goes by so quickly. Yep. Yet when you make me sit down and do one of my workbook pages, it feels like I've been there for hours. I know. Oh, wait, yeah, that's exactly right. It's good that they start to realize that. I mean, yes. my, my son has, has like <laughs> said, like, you know, argued with me about like, I don't want to do this and here's what. And I, I'll tell him, you know, in the time it took you to argue about this, you could have done this one workbook page. Yes. But, you know, I, um, but that is, a natural part of childhood development is for them to kind of assert their autonomy, right? Yes. So um, I, I always remember that and think, okay, is it, do I need, I think he doesn't want to do this now. Do I need him to do this right now? Why do I need for him to do this now? Well, no, the only reason I want him to do it now is because I want him to do it now. It, this is not something that needs to be done right now. Okay. Well, when would, I'll ask him, when would you like to do this? Well, I want to do it like this afternoon. Okay, fine. Do this afternoon. Okay, no big deal. Like, this is a, a concept we talk about in astrology a lot that I'll, I mentioned too, in like my writings, is this concept of flowing with the energy instead of, of actively opposing and resisting, because that kind of leads to defiance and opposition and stuff. It's, it's kind of just kind of seeing where the energy takes you. And with kids, if they tell you no, uh, or they, they offer some resistance, just remain calm. And you know you can ask them, well, what is it, what's the issue you have with doing this now? <clears throat> or is there something you want to tell me about why you don't want to do this? And that kind of puts the ball in their court to talk about po possibly there are reasons, you know, why they don't want to do whatever you're telling them to do or why they don't want to, you know, comply with what you're telling them to do, right? And, and I, I, mean, I personally like act, I tell parents to actively encourage that back and forth and dialogue. You always want your kids to come talk to you about yeah. everything and you, oh, yeah. you, you want it you want that to continue but they're teenagers and they're way more reserved and reticent and they gravitate more toward their peers you want them to continue being comfortable talking to you about things and if they are met with resistance and emotional overreaction from the parents they're going to be discouraged from talking to you so you know parenting can be frustrating as i say often on my youtube channel we are not robots we're human <laughs> parents too so um but yeah always kind of I always tell parents like always prioritize a relationship with your child over making them do stuff over them obeying you things like that always prioritize the connection because when you have this strong solid connection with the kids and they know that you love them no matter what and they know that you support them no matter what and that your love for them will not change based on their behavior or anything else when they know that and they know that you value their wants and needs they will naturally want to cooperate with you. Not 100% of the time, but most of the time, they'll naturally want to cooperate with you because they know that they are valued by the parent. You know, so, so you're on the same team. Absolutely. And that's what it is at the end of the day. It's like I tell parents, don't ever you know, set chores as punishment. Chores are not punishment. Chores are to help the team. You're all a family unit. You need to help each other. So I, I wouldn't use like chores as a punishment, right? I don't really believe in punishment anyway. I believe in kind of like natural consequences. Um, so yeah, definitely that's what I would recommend. I like that. Now, 
if a parent is wanting to know more about their sign or their child's sign, where do they reach out to you? Where are some resources? Sure. But then also, do you openly talk about it with the child as well? So communicating, letting the child know what their sign is, um, what the chart is reading and all of those tidbits. Sure. So for your first question, there's a lot of information out there on astrology. So it's, I mean, and I, I think, um, you know, there are people that still have, uh, there's kind of a stigma about astrology that, oh, this is not science or, oh, this is not, astrologers are just kind of crazy and they're not interested in data. And that's, <laughs> I mean, we may be partially crazy, but, but we are very, like most serious astrologers are very data-driven. And I mean, I can, I, there are some books that I recommend on my channel and one is, um, an author and famous astrologer, Stephen Arroyo, who is a relationship astrologer who talks about um, in the context of kind of family friendships and romantic relationships with adults, he talks a lot about relational astrology and he's a trained psychologist and he's conducted his own studies and his own surveys and he cites them in his books. And, and kind of, you know, one of the most famous astrologers, Robert Hand, which is his book, Horoscope Symbols, is a wonderful place to start with looking at all the signs. Okay. Horoscope Symbols by Robert Hand. Robert Hand references a bunch of studies, you know, relational studies about different patterns associated with different signs and different energies. So we are very data-driven. We're always looking at kind of, um, uh, you know, the data, the, the, the sign combinations that come up. There are a lot of sign combinations that have come up in, for example, long-term marriages. So it's a lot of uh, not just sign combinations, but you know, planetary connections and things like that. So we're very, very interested in the data. So Robert Hand is a great, uh, anything written by him is great. Anything written by Stephen Arroyo is great. I've, you know, I've written a book on Scorpio children. I've written a book on Gemini children. I'm a Gemini sun sign. I was a, it's a very misunderstood sign. <laughs> I was a misunderstood, as I tell people, I was a misunderstood Gemini child. So I definitely, you know, relate to other Gemini children. So, and my books are, you know, they're pretty short. They're like a hundred pages each. And they're meant to be kind of actionable tips for very busy parents because parents are very busy. We have a lot on our plates, right? We don't have time yes. necessarily read a thousand page tome. So one of the things that was very helpful in my journey was to have actionable tips, these kind of solutions focused tips on how I can improve my parenting, how I can improve my relationship with my child. So that's what I try to do in my books. They're very, you know, easily digestible with, um, you know, uh, chapter summaries and a lot of uh, actionable tips that parents can take and a lot of, a lot of um, kind of examples from my own life and other, from other parents that I talk to. So yeah, and I have published a lot of free parenting content on my YouTube channel. It, you can search my name, Maria Rieger in YouTube and I've got a lot of different uh, videos on parenting Capricorn, Gemini, Sagittarius, Scorpio kids. I'm going through all the signs and Aquarius kids posting uh, different videos. I like just in the day, last day or so, you put up Aries, I saw. I did. I put up one on the Aries parent and the Capricorn child, kind of how they relate. Yeah. So I have a Capricorn moon, so okay. I very much relate with that energy. <laughs> so Aries and Cap are very different energies. So um, yeah, so the, the video was for, you know, to help parents kind of navigate Cap because Aries is a fire sign like Sagittarius. Yes. Like we talked about the fire signs are very demonstrative with emotions. They can get very passionate and they can like yell and be loud about when they're worked up and passionate about something, when they talk about something that's important to them. Capricorn energy is very cold, is very, not cold, but it's, a, it's an earth 
sign, the cardinal sign, and the energy is a cooler energy. So Cap is more reticent, more reserved, more private about emotions. Um, so they don't necessarily wear their emotions on their sleeves. So it takes a little more effort for an Aries parent to kind of understand where the Capricorn child is coming from. Yeah. Interesting. Now I'm thinking about the time change every time a time change happens and everybody's always like, it's ruining my child. But then the last few, I feel like we've had the time change and a full moon at the same time. Yes. And it's game over. Yes. The full, so full moon, especially if the, if it's a super moon, which means that, you know, moon is closer to the earth, which we had recently. Yeah. And that's the like big orange, beautiful right. looking. Right. The kids can get way more emotional than usual. Yeah. Especially water sign and fire sign kids, because they're very emotive in general. And the thing with the children is they don't understand what's happening. They don't necessarily, that's the thing with kids. They don't understand some of the overwhelming emotions they have. That's, you know, it's a parent's job to come in and help them identify and articulate and work through the emotions. So, um, yeah, so, so, but kids do tend to be, tend to be, uh, I don't want to like say misbehaving too much, but they tend to be, little kids may be fussier, older yes. kids may just be more emotional in general. And to your question earlier about talking to kids, I mean, when kids are old enough, and if parents are kind of looking into birth charts and look, incorporating astrology and into their parenting, I mean, I encourage them to talk to, to their kids about astrology. I talked to my son about his birth chart. He asked me the other day, he said, what did he say? He said, I have, I've been having really weird dreams. Are the planets doing something this week? Like, <laughs> like some weird aspect, is there a full moon? So he's, so I, you know, I, I told him, I said, um, I said, there was something going on. So I said, yeah, well, but this is temporary. That energy is temporary. Just feel whatever you have to feel and just know that it's temporary and it will pass. So, um, but I've talked to him about, you know, I, it sounds like you have feelings sometimes and, and, and they can be overwhelming. He says, yes. So when he seems to be having, you know, a feeling about something or getting worked up, I'll, I'll tell him, you seem like upset. Are you angry? And then he'll say yes, or no, I'm sad. Or yeah. that's the thing is you, you, that's the healthy way to deal with emotions, right? You identify the emotion, you articulate the emotion, you let yourself feel it, you sit with it for a bit and you release it. You don't want to suggest to kids to repress emotions. That's why I get very triggered when I hear people say, don't cry to the kids or they tell them not to cry. Yes. Don't suggest that they should be repressing emotions. I mean, younger kids are going to cry. They just don't have the the control over their emotions adults have or should have because not all adults have control over their emotions either so but but that's how you deal with emotions in a healthy way and my kid he used to have these dramatic emotional outbursts but over years of me remaining calm and helping him articulate things now he calms down very quickly and he'll so he'll apologize to me a lot like i'm sorry i, I snapped at you i'm sorry i snapped at you mom like that's fine like no big deal it happens let's yeah on, right just so I always whenever my daughter is in the heat of emotion I'll be like let's let's think about like the things we have in our toolbox so what helps us to yes. feel better like we're counting we're doing this we're doing that and over the last couple of weeks I've heard her like she's really upset and she's like mom I think we need to find my toolbox oh it's adorable so it's it's like it's a thing so you know, she knows that we're that's great developing you're the them. tools you're giving her the tools now and yeah she will be very will be very emotionally healthy because they'll know what to do that's yes you don't want to let the emotions control you right 
yeah going Sag through the waves Sagittarius is an energy that is you know prone to these you know being dramatic sometimes prone to very big doing everything in a big way right so right but that's I mean that's great it's a great energy I love Sagittarius <laughs> I mean she's she's a very sweet little girl so awesome. and she she also she'll without knowing what it means she'll be like oh mom we're just a couple of sag gals that's right that's right that's <laughs> yeah that's exactly what we are well, when you have you know when you have the same or similar either sun sign or moon sign to your child it does take less effort you know as long as you have under self-understanding you'll mm -hmm. understand where they're coming from because it takes less effort right because yes. the energy is very similar or the same in your case so when the energy is very different, it does take more effort. And that's why, that's why I see Which a lot of conflict. My husband has a very hard time. Okay. He's, he's a Leo. Okay. And he'll just be like, you, yeah. you can fill me in on how this yeah. plays out, but like, I need to step back and wow. because he also knows that I get it well, like I get it. So I can have it fixed in minutes. Right as opposed to them butting heads about it and right. then right a resolution happening yeah well leo's a fire sign too but it's a fixed energy sign so it's a yes. little bit more has a little bit more of a stubborn nature yeah Sag. very Sag. accurate Sag is mutable Sag is mutable and is something interesting I noticed about Sagittarian people. So Sag is also called like the philosopher. It's associated with the ninth house, which is the night the house associated with higher learning and consciousness. Okay. So so it's uh Sag people are are Sag kids sometimes seem older than their years because they sometimes say things like that are very like suggest they're philosophizing about life, right? So um so it's a sign that has a lot of potential for just kind of intellectual growth right and it's it's um it's a little bit better than other fire signs at kind of seeing from the other person's point of view fire energy is a very ego oriented energy which is fine that's just how they are that means fire sign people usually are very good at advocating for themselves which is you know i love to see that great life skill right it's very important life skill so i love to see that um so fire sign parents are great at advocating for their kids which is fantastic they're not afraid generally to step on people's toes and defend people if it's about protecting their kids that's fantastic i love that i love to see that so um but yeah but it's an ego-oriented energy so it's harder a little harder for fire sign people to step out of you know step out of themselves uh, step back from themselves and put themselves into the shoes of the other person. But Sag does that a little bit better than the other fire signs. I think it's because it's it's that sign that's associated with higher learning and consciousness. It's a little bit better at doing that. Not as good as at like as the air signs at doing that because they're more detached. Yeah. Um, but it is a little bit better at doing that. Yeah. Interesting. I got it. Okay. Retrograde Mercury. What does that oh, mean? Yeah. Mercury, Mercury, Mercury retrograde. Yeah, Mercury retrograde. That's great. Great question. So that means that Mercury is appearing, the planet Mercury is appear is appearing to move backward on the ellipse, right? In the sky. It doesn't okay. actually move backward, but it appears to. So we say when Mercury stations direct, it kind of stops this movement for a bit. And then um and then uh, it it moves in a backward you know, motion around the ellipse, or appears to have the backward motion, I should say. So 
so Mercury is the ruler of Gemini, which is my sun sign. I have a Gemini sun, Gemini Mercury, Gemini Venus, a lot of Gemini energy in my chart. So, um, and my sun has a Gemini moon. So um, when Mercury is retrograde, Mercury is the planet that rules Gemini. It's the planet associated with the third house, which is the house of communication and technology. So, and travel. So we generally say that you can expect some travel delays, communication and technology snafus when Mercury is in retrograde, which is always the case with me. It's always a really tough time. <laughs> so um, you, most, mostly, I think the most profound thing I see with Mercury retrograde is uh, communication, like misinterpretations when people are communicating. Okay. So people will say something and, and the other person will just not understand what they're talking about, or there'll be a lot of hurt feelings because there were misinterpretations. So we generally counsel people to be very careful before drafting important emails and important written messages. Be very careful about signing contracts. Make sure you review everything very carefully and, make, and be very careful on how you're communicating to your partner and your children because there's an extra potential for miscommunication and hurt feelings. So, okay. um, so in fact, my son, this is like last year, he got in trouble for like running his mouth at school. So, because he's my son, so <laughs> it is what it is. And, and I made a comment like, oh, well, it's Mercury retrograde. And he says, yeah, it's Mercury retrograde. And that's what's making me say bad stuff. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> I said, I, I appreciate you acknowledging Mercury retrograde. Um, but yeah, that's, so Mercury goes retrograde, what, three or four times a year. So for about six weeks at a time. So okay. it just went direct again after, after being in, you know, retrograde for about three weeks and it was retrograding in its home sign of Gemini. So it's like an extra oomph of all the energy we've been talking about. Oh. So I'm very happy it's direct again. Cause I feel like life is going on now, finally moving ahead. Um, so that's what we mean when we say, and any of the planets can retrograde. There are a couple other planets retrograding right now, like Jupiter is retrograding. So yeah, that's what we mean is that the planet, you know, appears to be moving backwards. So then if other planets also go into retrograde, why does Mercury, is it just like the consequences of that are uh, yeah. worse? So because it's a think, I feel like it gets a bad planet. rap. Yeah, it's a personal planet. So it, it, it affects more strongly, like how we communicate. So Mercury represents okay. how you communicate. It represents several things in the chart to the to the individual. How it represents how you communicate, your learning style, um, and uh, and where the planet Mercury, the house that it's in in your birth chart, will will tell you kind of those areas of life, fields of experience that will be emphasized in regarding to the Mercury expression in your chart. So, um, yeah. So mercury is naturally at home in an air sign because it rules gemini so it's very much at home in like gemini aquarius libra if it's in a different if it's in like a water sign it's less comfortable um uh because mercury is about communication and the water signs tend to be more private about about uh communicating emotions and other things so um but yeah that's kind of what it what it represents in somebody's chart yeah so you look at the the sign position of mercury in the person's chart to know kind of how they express that energy their learning style how they communicate um and things like that yeah. interesting so i know i mean you always end up scrolling social media and everybody is just like mercury's in retrograde right, right i know it's just i guess it's the most because it happens so much more frequently, I think, and the other planets, yeah. I think it gets the most airtime. And because it's a personal planet, it tends to affect 
people a little bit more strongly. Now, interestingly, I mean, there are people who are born when Mercury is retrograding and those people, my observation is they pretty much weather Mercury retrograde very well because they're kind of used to that energy. <laughs> so, that's their normal. Exactly. That's their normal, right? So, but yeah, there are people that are born under, you know, you could be obviously born when a planet's retrograding. So when the planet's retrograding, if you were born under Mercury or Jupiter or whatever retrograde, that means that the energy of that planet tends to be directed a little bit more inward. Right? Okay. So, yeah. Fascinating. Why should you be using Do South Neatly Cleaner? Well, let's start off with the obvious. It actually works. It's great on so many different types of surfaces and is really, truly effective. There is no PVA. A lot of other eco brands still use PVA even in their biodegradable cleaning products. But Do South Neatly contains none. PVA is technically a plastic. This way, you know that when it gets washed down the drain, there is absolutely no negative impact on our waterways. It's a concentrate. So you save money by only paying to ship the cleaning ingredients and not the water. Also, moms, it's helping to save space in your house. The packaging not only is beautiful, but it is totally recyclable made from cardboard. Because it's a concentrate that completely dissolves in water, there is no excessive packaging to dispose of. So if you've been on the fence, get off and get on to dosouth.ca or visit them on Instagram at dosouthonline and order yourself the Neatly Cleaner. I have a game. Would you like to play it? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right. It's not, it's called open up. So it's a little bit like a rapid fire. Okay. Um, and then it's just like a few questions, like get to know you questions. Oh, nice. Okay, sure. All right. How do you define success? Oh my gosh. For me personally. Okay. Financial independence that I could wake up and do whatever I feel like doing that day. Um, nice. And yeah, whether it's like travel or spend time with my family or write or whatever. And um, having a great relationship with my kid and my partner and being healthy um, and helping other people. Is probably the I that. like that. What is your earliest memory? Oh my gosh. My earliest memory is, uh, I don't even know how old I was. Um, uh, we, 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 there was a house, um, we lived in temporarily while our like permanent house was being built. And I remember like waking up in the room, like I slept down for some reason, I slept on the sofa in this, in the family room and I woke up and remember the the room I was in like that's the only room in that particular house I remember because I was so little and we were there such for such a short time yeah interesting I always I have like the most random memories from childhood I like know, me too before like the like formative and I'll be like yeah. mom do you remember like th this color on the wall and she'll be like you're weird go away <laughs> <laughs> no I don't remember these things what is the most embarrassing thing that you have done? Oh my gosh. Embarrassing thing that I've done. 
funny. I don't know. Let me see. Uh, I don't embarrass. I don't get embarrassed easily. So I'm trying to think. I've embarrassed my kid plenty. I've like done Fortnite dances in the grocery store, and he's like, "Mom, stop! Please, stop, stop." Um, but that was embarrassing to him, not to me. Um, Oh my gosh. Well, I, I have anxiety speaking in front of large groups, I guess. Um, yeah. So I'm always like, get like the clammy hands and I sweat. <laughs> it's terrible. So that's, I always think like, oh my God, people can like see that I'm sweating and like, <laughs> and like, I mean, they probably can't, but I like, I feel like, oh my God, I'm sweating so badly right now because I'm so anxious. And I'm sure people can tell I'm sweating and that makes me yes. anxious. I've had a lot of those experiences. <laughs> I, I definitely, I can relate to that or being like, my throat starts to get dry. So I need right. a drink, but like, can right. I hold the cup? Yeah. Right. Who knows? Right. Yeah, exactly. Can I do all, can I multitask right now? I don't know. Well, I remember what I'm supposed to talk about. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be any age, what age would you be? Oh my gosh. Like. I mean, I'm in my early 40s right now, and I, I love it. So I would not go back to any younger age. I wouldn't, because like I feel like every decade of my life has been way better than the decade before. So, yeah, I would. That's stay amazing. Where I am. That you're yeah. on the right track. Yeah, I yeah I would stay where I am. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> if someone offered to tell you your future, would you accept it? No. I like how sure you are on that. No, no. Most people are like, oh, yeah, maybe. No, no. Um, no. <laughs> I would overthink it too much. Yeah, yeah. And then, but also, I feel like anything you do could then change that future. So why would you be looking right. forward to something well, that is so meldable? That's the thing, right? Because of like chaos theory, if you tell, like if somebody were to tell you X is going to happen to you and whatever, right? X, Y, Z is going to happen to you. Like if you, if you, maybe that's based on whatever you're going to be presumed to be doing between now and then. Like if you change what, what you do or if other circumstances beyond your control change, would the outcome be the same? And like a lot of the times, you know, people have self-fulfilling prophecies. Like they'll tell you, I knew, they'll tell me, I knew that was going to happen. Well, yeah, you knew it was going to happen because you were so sure it was going to happen. It became like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yes. So I don't know if you follow like law of attraction principles. I do, right? So we attract into our lives what we give our time and attention yes. to. So oh, I tell people, in fact, I sent an email today to my, my astrology and parenting mailing list because tomorrow we're having a new moon in the sign of cancer, which new moons represent kind of new beginnings, like releasing of old energies that no longer serve us and new beginnings. So the new moon is a perfect time to think about what you want more of in your life. And I tell my, my mailing list subscribers and my listeners, I tell them, always think about what you want your life to look like. Don't think about everything that's quote unquote wrong in your mind with your life. Think about what you want your life to look like what you want to happen. If you only think about the good things, those will happen, right? So that's what you will attract into your life. So you have to be careful about predictive stuff, I think. Yes. <laughs> and I'm constantly, my, my family has always made fun of me for this because I will be like, you are putting out so much negative yeah. energy into yeah. the world. This is why bad things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I would always be like, you can't be near me right now because right. I don't want that. That's exactly right. No, I, I, there are people I just can't really hang around with friends and family because I don't want the negative energy. Yeah. And you know, I, you, you always, so sometimes you'll hear people talk about other people and you'll say, well, everything always works out for him or her, or for them. Everything always works out for them. They, they're always so lucky things work out for them and because, because they think things will work out. So things work out. Yes. Because that's the thing. Like if you're always thinking, wow, I'm so grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for what I have. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for the sun came up today. Grateful for all these things. If you're dwell, if you're thinking about that and not, wow, what I don't have, then yeah, things will work out. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about when I say self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That's, yeah. Well, and then it, like, if you think about it, you have a toothache and all you're thinking about is this toothache and the toothache is getting worse and worse and worse. Well, it's because right. you haven't put your mind on anything else. Right. If you thought about like, well, I took a cold drink of water and that like soothed some of the pain. Right. Now I'm feeling more comfortable. Right. Like it's, there's so much mindset that when yes. you focus on the bad, the bad is what happens. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I, there are plenty of examples from my life when like things worked out how I wanted because I was, I just assumed they would work out. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, I just was like, I know this will happen. I'm not going to worry right now about how it will happen or when it will happen. I know it's going to happen and it, it happens <laughs> at some point, maybe not the next day, yeah. maybe not the next month, but eventually. So that's, that's exactly right. And, and which is a lot of also like manifestation. That's absolutely you're writing it down. You're putting it out there and absolutely. then you're leaving it. And you're, I mean, you work towards it. So it's not like you're just magically like it's going to happen because you, right. you work towards it. Right. But you've put out there that that's what you want your end goal to be. Exactly. Right. I love that. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danielle. This is very, this is a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me on. Um, where can people find you? So uh, I have a, so full disclosure, I'm a fiction and nonfiction author. So I write like contemporary romance and romantic suspense. Uh, in addition to parenting and astrology books. So I'm on lawschoolheretic.com. You can find all my books, fiction and nonfiction, the, the book on Gemini children, the book on Scorpio children. They're on Audible. So they're on audiobook format too, on um, Barnes and Noble and Amazon print and ebook. And I'm on YouTube under Maria Rieger and uh, it's R-I-E-G-G-E-R. You can find a lot of free parenting content on my YouTube channel. And I'm on Facebook. You can uh, find me on Facebook. It's called Positive Parenting with Astrology uh, or just search my name. Uh, yeah. And my email, my direct email is maria at lawschoolheretic.com. And I love hearing from people. So yeah, feel free to shoot me. And I'll also have all of that linked in the show oh, notes great. as well. Thank you so much to Maria for joining me on The Mom Files. I cannot wait to have her back. We plan to have another episode just to discuss obedience and more importantly, obedience without question, what that means for your children. So definitely be sure to check that episode out when it comes in a little ways from now. Also be sure to check Maria out online and subscribe to her YouTube channel. That's this week's episode of The Mom Files. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Show us some love by subscribing to our podcast and follow along on Instagram at danielle.delaney613 or visit the blog at littlesummerbee.com. Thanks for listening.